This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good evening. It's Monday, the 15th of August, 2022. I'm Tom. This is the Seaside Podcast as we review the Swansea loss at home and we look forward to QPR tomorrow. Um, joining me this evening, we have Mitch, Joe and Nick. How are you all doing, gentlemen? Good evening, everyone. Matt, you good? Mitch? All good, mate. Joe, how are you doing? Uh, I was doing great until uh, Palace just scored, ruining my FPL double Liverpool defence. But apart from that, grand. That's a shame. I didn't didn't know you do FPL, mate. I don't hear about it too much. I know. I hardly <laughs> ever mention it on Twitter whatsoever. Um, Nick, how are you doing after Saturday's result? Yeah, I'm over it. I, obviously, I was gutted, but um, as we'll we'll come on to talk about, I think we deserve something from the game, you know. And you know, there's positive to take, even though we didn't get the result. Yeah, Matt, how you feeling, mate? Similar. Um, I was obviously depressed at full time because it was one of them games, wasn't it, where we were on top and then they scored. Um, but there were there were. There was something to take from the game. I actually saw Nick before the game, and I, I remember, Nick, you said something along the lines of, I just hope there's something to take from the game. And I think there was something <clears> to take from the game. So by that measure, we both agreed on that. And I think by that measure, I can't be too down. We'll get um, straight into things. Uh, Joe, we'll start with you. Um, have the lineup here. What did you think when you first saw it? Um, I was a little bit disappointed that... Uh... Gabriel wasn't straight back in, mainly just for the fact that I'd like Callum Connolly to be a bit more advanced and help out in the middle, because I think that's our weakness at the minute is midfield. I think we're a little bit soft, a little bit lightweight there, and he'd uh, add a little bit of bite in midfield. But apart from that, it's needs must at the minute, isn't it? I mean, when half the squad's out injured or just coming back from injury, you're kind of hamstrung in your team selection. So, uh, yeah, I think for the team, the group of players that we've got available... At the minute, it's near near as damn it to our best eleven. Nick, your initial thoughts on the lineup? Um, were you disappointed not to see Gabriel too? Yeah, I was a bit. I was I was with Matt, um, like he just mentioned pre-match, and when the team came out, I think that's the thing we mentioned. Maybe um, you know he he we thought he might have started, and similar to what Joe said, give Callum Connolly a plan, a chance to play in his 
preferred position in the uh, the centre of the park. Um, but yeah, then other than that, wasn't great. You know, many surprises really. Obviously, no Gary Medine, so that will be Matt's main disappointment, I'm sure. <laughs> Matt. Um- on the subject of obviously players not being in the squad, Steve just raised a good point and it's fantastic to see King Kenny Dougal back. Yeah, definitely. I think he gives us a bit more uh, nous, doesn't he? He gives us a bit more know-how. Um, so, yeah, it's good to see Kenny back. Um, my main thing was, and I, I said it on the pod on Tuesday, um, I just had a feeling that, that Lavery had had such a disappointing game on Tuesday or such a frustrating game on Tuesday that the... Um, the odds were that if the same chances fell to him, he couldn't miss them again. So I, 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 using that very unscientific method, I, I wanted Lavery to play. But, you know, I was happy enough to see Jerry up front. So as Arthur said, it was it's need much, needs must. Sorry. Um, in terms of Yates starting Nick, um, he looked pretty lively um, against Stoke, um, made a bit of a difference when he came into the centre. Would you prefer to start with Yates, or would you, if you're given the choice, or would you would you start with Medine in the central position? It's a tough one. Um, it might depend on who the opposition is a bit, but I I don't mind Jerry being in there. You know, he gives a shift um, similar to Medine, though he you know he he puts his chances away. Um, it's it's a fifty fifty really for me. I don't I don't mind either of them. I think it's it's whoever's up front. It's about the service they get, isn't it? Um, you know, if we're giving them decent service, then. They have a chance of scoring at least. Yeah, and I think you, Matt, you said something similar on Twitter. Like, do you know what the problem potentially is? And I don't know how this sort of end results or how it's kind of looking at the moment. But for me, I think either Yates or or Medine are more successful in the side, which creates you know with creates a lot more chances and we gets the ball forward a little bit more, which we started to see a little bit in the second half, which we'll come on to. Um, just initially sort of starting the game, it was a bit of a shaky start for the Seasiders, Matt, um, sort of being a bit dodgy in possession um, after sort of a, little, a, a bright start initially of Corbin U, obviously taking the ball early doors and having a flash shot across goal. Um, thought we would set the tone, but we, we started a bit shaky in possession. Yeah, we did. Um, we looked like we've looked in a number of games where we just didn't really seem to quite have worked out what we were doing. Um, sort of the, the patterns of movement didn't quite seem there. People didn't really seem to know sort of who, you know, you know what's the phrase, the patterns of play where everybody knows where everybody is didn't seem to be there. And and we were, we were careless with the ball. And, and we also fell, so it was probably, I don't know, 10 minutes, quarter of an hour in, we, we, we fell into that trap that we all feared of basically looking like we were running around after Swansea. Um, so it was... And, I felt like that set the, the the pattern for the most of the first half. We had a couple of moments, didn't we? But most of the first half, I thought like Swansea were were a, were a better side um, in a poor game. Yeah, Joe, just come to you. I think one of the first comments I've got is playing out for the back and wasteful in possession probably go hand in hand, but we seem to continually do that. I know um, a lot of Lincoln fans say good luck playing out from the back because they concede a lot of goals from that under Appleton in that second season. Um, did it make you feel a bit uncomfortable watching watching on Saturday? No more than usual, to be honest. <laughs> um, when you're playing a team like Swansea, you're very good at keeping the ball. I think everybody before the game knew that come the end, Swansea were going to have around 65 70% possession. And the pattern of play in the first half was very much going towards that stat. Um, 
they kept the ball very well. But for me, apart from the odd set piece, when we needlessly headed the ball out from a corner and they nearly scored off it, they really didn't test Grimshaw that much in the first half, I felt. I, I don't think that he had that much to do. It was your usual... We've got a lot of the ball, but not doing much. I can see why Swansea fans themselves are a little bit frustrated with the style of play that, that Russell Martin has. It, it was a classic, getting on slightly to the, the full game as a whole, it was your classic smash and grab. I thought a draw would have been a fairer result. We wasted a lot of chances. They had a few chances themselves, to be fair. It's very easy just concentrating on yourselves, but Swansea were pretty wasteful at times as well. So I think a draw would have been a fair result in the game, but... Just as usual, it's our, our inability to take chances, but at least we're creating chances, which I know you're kind of grasping at straws there, but it was a hell of a lot better than the Stoke performance, put it that way. I thought, I thought creating chances and XG didn't mean much, mate. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to create chances to score, haven't you? Getting, getting the ball great. in the net is quite important in a in football. Yeah, that is part of the XG, which we need to finish off. But Nick, just before... it's the one thing that we're really struggling with at the minute. Absolutely, Nick. Just before... Effa, shut up. Just before, um, just before we had the opportunity, uh, just before Swansea had a couple of opportunities, we had the ball sort of within the six-yard box and a good a bit of interplay between Bowler and Yates. Do you think Bowler should have done a bit better of his chance, or do you think it was a tight angle, well, sort of tight in possession? And yeah, it kind of save? got stuck under his feet a bit, didn't it? He did well, um, and then I mean, he got his shot away. And it, I've just watched it again before we came on, and to be fair, it was a, a decent save by the keeper, um, albeit at close range. So. Yeah, maybe he could have, but he he did well to kind of jink through in the first place and and get his shot off. And it, like I say, it wasn't it wasn't a bad save by a keeper. Was that yeah, the mate. one where Yates was in quite a bit of space? No, 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 no. In the first half, I think Yates had closed someone down. Um, was it the shot? Was it the and... shot at the near post that he just like clawed away? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, it was like there was yeah. a couple of saves like that. The penalty was a bit like that. He sort of clawed it away as it was going past him. It was it was a good stop, and sort of on another day he, he might not have got a touch to it. Which I thought obviously will come to the penalty. That the penalty was a bit like that as well. So you know when I when I like you, Nick, when I watched the the sort of highlights back, I thought actually some of the the moments where we had a a chance or a shot, we were actually more unlucky than I thought we were actually watching it live, if that made sense. so Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it's a decent save, a really good opportunity created out of nothing again from, you know, from good press and football, which Joe alluded to earlier. It was much better than the Stoke game in terms of forcing them to make mistakes and I think continue that sort of aggressive press and we'll, we'll get chances like that as we got in the second half as well. And just, to, just a couple of more chances to go through in the... Um, in the first half, I think um, Ben Cabango, uh, Matt with a header, a very decent chance and very lucky to get let off the hook. I genuinely don't remember this one. I remember them great. Did they graze the bar or was that a separate chance? I remember them just, yeah, that's before. Good shot. shot. Yeah, and then, um, I grazing the bar, but I don't remember, I don't remember the header. This <laughs> is from a completely else. unnecessary corner where I don't know who it was because it was down the opposite end of the pitch, but... They just headed it out like under no pressure whatsoever. And they got a corner from it and very good corner whipped in. Kamango got his head onto it. I have no idea how he didn't score because he was kind of unmarked. But it was an absolute bullet header that went just wide. Yeah, Nick, almost too much power on the header rather than placement. 
Yeah, it's one of those where you kind of sharp intake of breath and you, you're waiting, to, waiting for it to hit the net, aren't you? Um, but thankfully it didn't. And then there was the um, the chance as well, wasn't it, where um, Marv put a fantastic tackle in just as he was about to to get his shot off and you were thinking certain goal almost. And, uh, you know, that's what Marv's very good at, isn't it? Where you think everything's lost and he, he, he claws it back at the last minute. And it was, uh, it was a superb tackle. And it was nice to see as well, because he'd actually started the game looking quite shaky again. I thought um, mm. he'd, he'd, he'd made a few um, interesting choices with, with, with early possession that he'd had. And I thought, Oh no, you know, here we go. I can't handle it if Marvin's not good anymore. But then I think I think those that, you know, getting a couple of good challenges in will do him the world of good. Mm. Yeah, I thought if I'm honest, I thought he was I thought he was pretty poor in the first half. I don't like to speak ill of Marv, but it's his sort of third game in a row now where he's not looked his usual self. And I don't know if it's because of his defensive partner, I think uh, God rest his soul away near my home. Um Richard Key obviously being missing won't have helped him, but he, he he seems to lack the leadership or the confidence that he had in the sort of previous season and hopefully it comes back into form. But I think him trying to play the ball out and we just kept wasting possession like from from Grimshaw to, to, to Marv's and then he would just kick it to the centre circle and, we, and we'd re-loop it a bit. So that was that's what frustrated me the first half, the inability to sort of string a few passes together. But I was just going to say... Um, um, Nick, um, I don't know how much you remember the Swansea game last season. I know it was 1-0, but Sean's raised a good point as well. They're a bit more direct than last season. They actually did something yeah. with the ball, a bit more purpose and a bit more shots on goal in that first half. Yeah, they did. Um, I do remember last season and they had a ridiculous amount of possession and didn't do very much at all with it. Whereas this time, I know they didn't create loads, but there was a couple of kind of good chances, certainly in that first half. Um, so they were a, a bit more direct and a, a bit more threatening than um, certainly they were last season. And it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think people are getting frustrated that we weren't pressing them to, in the first half. Um, and I know we changed things up in the second half and it was a lot different. But I suppose if you're trying to do that for 90 minutes in in that heat, we we may have faded after an hour. I think kind of getting to half time at, at nil-nil, not pressing um, and then being able to be a bit more aggressive in the second half. I ended up working, you know, I know we didn't get the result, but doing it in that second half, we probably had a bit more energy than we might have had if we'd have gone chasing and round for 45 minutes in the first half, possibly. Yeah, Matt, we'll come on to the second half now. So that challenge from Marv was right at the very end, wasn't it? And I take it your uh, the previous pod, you were saying you'd like to see Yates and Lavery starting that in sort of the wide areas and central, maybe not the the way you actually wanted it with Lavery being down the centre, but he made an instant impact by getting booked on a on a fantastic challenge. The game's gone. Um, it was, he's, he's won the ball um, and got booked for it, but he was certainly sort of, in my opinion, that sparked our press and our, our sort of passion in that in that second half. Yeah, I thought he was really good. And actually, I also thought he played the, the left-hand um, role really well, um, which he hadn't. I don't think when I'd seen him doing it in pre-season. Um, 
and there was just you know there was numerous things he did there was there was the obviously the the booking but then it, it that didn't shake him at all he kept going he kept going in again for you know pressing and challenging um there was some beautiful little flicks actually there was one little flick that started one of the moves we'll talk about later that was absolutely gorgeous there was a kind of couple of little spins and touches off and and that's a that's something that I've always thought he's lacked in his game actually is is that link play but there was some there was some really good link play from him as well as that sort of harassing and and really pushing on to to his man and and, and causing real um rushing their defense um and I think it's a really really good sign because I, I I said in I think it was a pre-season pod that I I feel like we need you know we can talk about signing signing signings but I think we have got players in the squad who if one or two of them can can make that step up and be sort of better this season than they were last year, we've got something. And, and I really, really hope it's Lavery because I think if anybody's going to score the goals for us this year, and if anybody's going to play, provide that extra edge from the players we've got, then I think Lavery is the player that's got the capacity to do that. Yeah, I completely agree, Matt. I think... Joe, just coming to you, I think when he came on, I was, I think the the, the least about Corbyn's performance, the better. I think he was very wasteful as, as well, giving away position quite a lot. And it just wasn't his game, whether we're going to see a better side of him in the next game. I'm not sure we'll come on to team selection later. But Lavery came on and he, he was the spark, obviously, as I said. But Fiorini um, pressed the ball from the goalkeeper, then Lavery into the corner. And then Thompson pushed up with Yates and it, it ended up with Dougal getting the ball and and, and winning that penalty. And it, it seemed in that sort of phase of play that Thompson held back from pressing. The moment the ball was about to be cleared up, he pushed up, which then sort of blocked the ball. Google then had a shot and then got brought, brought down for a penalty. Do you think it was a penalty? Absolutely not. And in a way, that's kind of made it easier for me to swallow us missing it. Is us missing it. I know that sounds so yogurt knitting type sportsman bollocks, but <laughs> I, I'd be fuming if it was the other way around. To so, be fair, Joe, yeah. the, the one about five minutes later on Yates well, was was a penalty. He's the, done the, that to even it out. They always yeah. do it, don't they, when they know they've made a mistake. Yeah. So, yeah, no no complaints about the, the missed penalty. To be fair, although there was a huge element of fortune behind it, it was a good save from the keeper because when you go down the middle, you've got to kind of... I know he saved it with his feet, but you've kind of got to guess late and move late and... Most keepers move early for a penalty so they can reach into the corner. So ah, every credit to the lad, it was a good save. And yeah, bit of shithousery from Dougal. So if he wants to do that at, at Turf Moor or Deepdale, feel free. I'll be less uh, I'll be less sporty when it comes to them two games. <laughs> Nick, that, that bit of pressing from sort of the front four or five with Thompson pushing up as well, it was... It was really nice to see, and it's nice to see us be brave and, and do it with yeah. some intent as well. Definitely. It was chalk and cheese from the first half, wasn't it? Um, and I, I thought when I first saw it, I thought it was a penalty, but then when you get to see replays on on TV and I saw a, a close-up on Twitter as well, and it was like, mm, yeah, it, it, I don't think there was any contact. Um, and the penalty... I mean, the keeper had just started to go, hadn't he, to his to his left as as um, Jerry's running up to take it, and I wondered whether he'd he'd spot that and just you know change his mind, split a second, and 
roll into the corner, but that's easier said than done, isn't it? When you've already probably made your mind up what you're going to do with it. And it just caught the end of his foot, unfortunately. And I think that's, is that the first one he's missed, Jerry? Other than yeah, the West Brom spot kit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you say, if, if you're going to smash it down the middle, 99% of the time, the keeper moves, don't they? So Mm. absolutely no issue with the penalty whatsoever. And I just feel desperately sorry, sorry for Jerry because He's one of them players that I think once he gets one goal, he'll go on a run. It's purely yeah. a confidence thing. Once he gets one, I think he'll get two or three on the spin. So hopefully, maybe tomorrow he'll be able to get off the mark. Matt, I kind of disagree with the other two. I think it's quite a poor penalty, in my opinion. I think if you're going to go down the middle, potentially either slam it or or maybe try and roll it slightly off. I'm being probably hypercritical, but he kind of side foots it and it's not too much power within it. Half decent save, but for me, it's not like his usual penalties where he either finds the corner or he hits it with a lot more power. I think it's just mishit it. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I've just said to somebody else online, though, that if it, if it rolls in the net and the keeper dives past it, we all say, oh, it was so cool. I don't know. I mean, penalties, are you, 25% of them get missed. 75% of them get scored. And Is that a true statistic? Yeah, it's, it's about that. I think it's 24% or something of all penalties get missed. So, And Jerry's missed one in 11 in the league games. So he's, you know, he's, he's above the the mean or whatever it is for, for, for penalty scoring. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, my next point is exactly what Sean said. I think as much as it could, could have got him down and he could have sort of been like a, you know, head in hands and sort of sulked around the pitch. He was actually like, it sparked him again a little bit. Him and Lavery worked really well together. And I think when Bowler was involved, the front three really clicked. And in my opinion, I think we should see him tomorrow, but we'll come on to that. Um, I think the next point we want to talk about is Grimmie's save. Initially, I thought this is one of the best saves I've ever seen in a football match, Bloomfield Road, whatever you want to call it. I thought it's 1-0. It's hit the, it's hit the most unfortunate deflection and he's gone all the way to the to the right or left whatever you're looking at from what point of view and he's managed to somehow nick get his body across it and and just get a really really strong hand to it yeah unbelievable because uh again i've just watched it before we we came on air and the guys come running onto it and and got a decent connection and Grimmy's already heading in the other direction um takes a big deflection and just his react like you say his reaction and and to have that strength with it um, was was phenomenal. It was uh, absolutely fantastic save. Because I thought with Grimmy as well, he'd had a couple of not dodgy moments, um, but his distribution had been a bit poor, hadn't it? There's a couple of goal kicks had gone out of play and stuff. But um, and normally he's he's great for distribution, but that save was it was absolutely top draw. It was stunning from the other end as well, which mm. you know, this other end you don't you don't necessarily normally see the finer points of it. But I'd. I'd sort of already gone into, oh, shit, they'd scored mode. And mm. then sort of, how, how has he stopped that? Um, it was amazing. Joe, your thoughts on the save? Very good. <laughs> Fair enough. I think, I'm, I'm not sure what moment this was, but just before sort of the last 10 minutes sort of kicked off, Bowler went through. I think he got played through. Um, 
and hit a shot almost sort of from an angle it was, direct. It was on the end of that move that I alluded to before. It was a brilliant move. It was the best bit yeah. of football we've played in about six months. It was superb. And Lavery started it on the, I think Lavery pressed, won it, and it like little, or it, it sort of, he intercepted with this little um, sort of cheeky little flick inside. And then we went right across the pitch and it was first touch, fast, fast, fast. And then Bowler was the, was the, was the man on the end on the end of the move, like the man on the overlap. And he just sort of came in and side-footed it to the keeper. And it was really underwhelming at the end of a brilliant move. Mm. I was on the edge of my sofa, should I say, watching that. Because like, as you say, it was pretty much from our box and about five or six passes. And you could just see Bowler standing there like that. And you're like, he's in, he's going to score. And then Nick, he just passed it back to the keeper, basically. It was most, one of the most comfortable, say, Fisher made all afternoon. Yeah, it was, unfortunately. It, um, the finish didn't uh, match the uh, the move that had gone before, because like uh, Matt says, it was a great move. Played him in, um, and yeah, he just didn't have the power in it, did he? And kind of almost passed it to the keeper. It was, a, it was an easy save in the end, unfortunately. Uh, should we talk about... The miss just before they scored, Joe. Um, one benefit is Patino and a few others start to pr- press up the field, and obviously we do nick the ball back. That's positive number one. Positive number two is another good darting run into the into the box. And in my opinion, like before, I see sort of Yates to the left because I'm, I'm going to give him probably ten percent sort of you know, credit here in terms of why he potentially didn't pass because two players started coming in and there was a player directly to the to the middle of the pitch, it's still it's still the wrong decision. But for me, he doesn't need to do the cut inside again. If you're going to have a shot, just absolutely have a go at the at, at the goal or pass it. What was your thoughts? At the time, I was fuming. Um, everybody gets like wound up in the heat of the moment. Probably said things. Shut up, Sean. Probably, <laughs> probably said things in the uh, WhatsApp that I shouldn't have said. Um, Felt really sorry for Bowler. Apparently, he was getting loads of abuse coming off the pitch. And, you know, Matt said it plenty of times. Without him, where's the creative spark coming from? It was frustrating. He's not the only player in our team that's guilty of not looking up as well. A lot of them do it. Um, Yeah, if he squares it, Jerry's got a tap in. But, you know, it's one of them. I'm sure he'll, he'll regret doing it. I'm sure he feels awful. No need to beat the lad up. Uh, other footballing cliches, winners a team, losers a team, jumpers for goalposts, etc. It's just one of them. It's just indicative of the look that we're having at the minute. Um, yeah, he's a great player. He's held his hand up. He didn't need to hold his hand up on Twitter at all. Felt that was a bit weird. We're not Man United. You're not Marcus Rashford. Leave all that soppy bollocks alone and just crack on next game, isn't it? Nick, your, your immediate thoughts after sort of the missed chances, just one of those afternoons or, you know. Yeah, um, he you know, probably should have squared it. Um, but we, we've talked about Josh Bowler a lot, haven't we, on previous pods where, you know, he, he maybe won't always make the right decision, but then he'll, you know, sometimes he might you think he's carried it too far and he'll score an absolute wonder goal when, yeah, he could have passed it was the easier option. But if that flies in the top corner, we're all hailing him and saying how amazing he is. And the fact is he he's probably the only one in our team who can get into that position in the first place. You know, if he, if he wasn't playing, then we wouldn't, you know, it, he gets into these positions, he makes these runs and he does things that nobody else in the team can. Uh, so I'm not going to be too hard on him. Um, 
and it, yeah, he, he probably should have put his head up and, and squared it to Jerry because where the keeper was, Jerry had most of the net to aim at, didn't he? Um, but yeah, like Joe says, I think it's just it's what what happens at the moment and and, and where we are. Unfortunately, it's uh, we're struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but with him out, without with him not in the team, then we're going to be struggling a lot more. And well, I don't know how easy it is to find his replacement yeah. if we sell him, because I don't think it is. Matt, another point from Sean there. If he made the perfect decision all the time, he would never have played for us. Well, I think the day Josh Bowler starts taking the sensible square pass is the day we know his legs are gone or the day we know his, <laughs> his nerves gone, frankly. Because if he, you know, if he's doing that, he won't be the player. Nick, Nick's described it already. He won't repeat what he said. Uh, but there's an, there's an interesting stat on Bowler. Um, he's had He's had 43% of all of our shots this year. So if you take Bowler out, then we've we basically got a lot less shots. We've had three shots. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so you know that that's that says something. And actually, I, I looked at that. I looked at some numbers this morning and how they differed from last year. I mean, we're only three games in. The num- numbers don't say you know that much, but certainly Bowler is shooting a lot more. And I wonder if that's on instruction. You know, I wonder if that's part of. Of, of sort of what Appleton's looked at is, you know, we need to get more shots off. Um, looking at the way Bowler plays and, and and his numbers last year and, the, you know, thinking, well, if you can add four or five more goals to, to his tally, you know, then, then that does a lot for us. So, you know, again, I'm trying to maybe give a little bit of leeway from him. So people sort of say, oh, well, he, he just wants all the glory. He just wants it to be about him. But if you look at the underlying numbers, he is shooting a lot more than he did last year. So, again, I wonder if he's actually, in an odd way, trying to do what he's told, you know. And Nick, if if we're one or two new up, I know it's a big if and we didn't win, and he does that, we don't talk about it after the game, do we? No, that's it. It was, you know, it was it was getting a bit more frustrating and you're thinking, missed the penalty, are we going to get another opportunity? And when we did and that happened, it yeah, it was frustrating. But it's like Sean said in the comments, if he was the finished article and he made the right decision, then he's probably not playing for us in the first place. And he also probably had um, one of our better efforts on goal just after that. Um, not long after that, the, the ball was bouncing around and he, he sort of took it in the box and and shot on the turn and it re- I can't remember if the keeper saved it or it wasn't far over, um, and that was probably in open play the 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 best actual effort on goal that we had I think apart from his one earlier in the first half and I think the thing with him is he does miss chances but he's often made the chances he's missed if that makes sense you know yeah. well he made like- he, he made that opportunity as well didn't he by yeah. pressing and taking the ball off the player. He's not some donkey striker that just comes and runs and blasts it over the bar at the end after everybody else has been in, in the room, you know, been been involved in the move. He's he's often crafted it, so you know you've got to give him some credit for the, for the rest of the work that's gone into it. Yeah, Josh has made a good point, um, Joe. That realistically, would any fan not start Polar? He's a creative outlet, and yes, he makes errors, but he creates all our chances, which is exactly what Matt has just said. The only person that would not start Josh Polar is Neil Critchley for the last five games of last season. <laughs> Very true. Um, what? <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt, that um, opportunity was something I was going to come on to next. I'm glad you brought it up, Nick. Um, but just one thing before that, actually. Am I imagining things? I don't know if Dougal's offside or they brought it back for offside or we just missed it. But was it in the second half as well? Dougal sort of hit one inside the box that went just over the bar. Am I, am I imagining that or not? 
I don't know because I still, despite two people describing it to me, I still have no memory of that that header in the first half. I think I was beamed up <laughs> by aliens for that bit of the game, and I don't remember Dougalitting it just on sure. far either. But yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, but yeah, the the chance you're alluding to, Nick, I don't know if you remember it, but it the it, Matt's Matt's bang on. Like it bounces if you watch the highlights just before coming on, it bounces like literally on the penalty spot of his back to goal, and he touches it down, turns, and uh, Fisher tips it over the bar. Um, and then from that corner is unfortunately where where they got their goal. Yes, um, unfortunately, yeah, it was a decent effort. Um, and then just yeah, to cap a frustrating afternoon off, they break away, and and their guy, I suppose, from their point of view, makes the right decision and and squares it. Um, was it was it Thompson who tried to take? Yes. Um, so- it was a bit of a WWF movement. Yeah. yeah, he just yeah. sprang off him, did he? Someone said, um, that's, how that's how it's going for us at the moment. We can't even yeah. foul anybody. We can't even get a Did red you... card when we want one to stop a goal. That's the look yeah. we're having at the minute. This is what happens if you don't play Jimmy at left back. If there's one thing he can do, it's get Wipe a sense off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then they just break away and he, he squares it across and uh, took a touch. And I wondered for a second, does he? Yeah, Williams nearly got him, didn't he? I think he yeah. was far off it. No, he wasn't. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, he uh, he put it in the back of the net. And, you know, final whistle, there was a, a bit of a, a reaction, wasn't there, um, from from some of the crowd. Um, I think it's just of... frustrating. And yeah. Also, I don't know, it's sad to say it. There's a lot of people that are just dead set against Appleton because he's expressed the North End. I mean, don't get yeah. me wrong. I, I, He wasn't top of my list to be the next manager of the club, but he's here now. Just get behind him. Get behind the players. He's got a new system. He's trying to implement his own style of play on the majority of players that aren't his. It's going to take a while with three games into the season. Um, you know, think back to the, the season we get promoted. I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination that we're going to go get promoted this season. But what I'm saying is it's far too early to judge the guy of three games where people after the game, as was, oh, I can't stand that up and he's a knobber, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, yeah, all right then. Um, and that's the thing. Does. I think it was, the, the guy yeah. needs a chance. And it was the probably was the people who didn't want him in the first place, and then feel it's the perfect excuse um, to boo him. Yeah, it was frustrating, but we we didn't deserve to lose the game. That's for sure. And no, point I believe would have been in, fair. Yeah, and I think someone's having to go at Simon Sad as well, which is just the mind boggles. It really does. I know it's frustrating, but what anyone's got to be having to go at him about, I, I do not know. It's. Uh, it's unbelievable, it really is. And like you say, as far as the manager, it's a few games in. Whether you wanted him or not, you've got to give any manager in. And we're still, we've not, transfer window hasn't closed yet, has it? So we're going no. to see probably some outgoings and hopefully some inco- incomings in the next couple of weeks. And then you can say, right, he's he's hopefully got the plays he wants. And then you've still got to give it a good number of games for for them to, for him to implement that style of play that he wants and for the players to start to gel together and... It's far, far, far too early to be judging just, whether you think he's the right man or not. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. We 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 didn't want to give Critchley any time, didn't we? After that Wimbledon game, and we didn't, you know, I'll, Critchley. I'll hold my to... hand up. I were one of the people that wanted Critchley out after the first yeah, five, and I think six games. At the start start of the championship season, I think Fulham obviously the performances potentially a little bit better. But as I say, we're only three games in, and I think Saturday second half was arguably some of the best football 
and pressing that we've seen at Bloomfield for, for a number of games, including Critchley. Like, you know, it wasn't always pretty under Critchley. Obviously, we got the game done and we focused on not conceding. But at the same time, the football we played on Saturday, you know, if we score the penalty, you know, Bowler's shot doesn't go straight at the keeper and he does square it and we win 3-0, you're probably saying that's the best mm-hmm. second performance we've seen yeah, top, top 10 before, do you know what I mean? So we didn't take our chances. That's not on Appleton. The fact that we missed the chances on the players, in my personal opinion, and it's not digging them out. It's not Appleton's fault. We created really good chances in a football match. And I think if you're going to give him grief and give Sadly grief, I think Daz has just summed it up perfectly. If I can find the comment, um, exactly what I was going to say. I think the, the, the crowd, um, um, at points last season, um, being in it and sitting here and on the telly, like QPR at home on Sky, it was just literally electric, and it was really intimidating. And most managers, opposition managers, said, "Do you, you know, do your fans sing like that every game? And are you always that loud?" And for, for a relatively small attendance in the championship, we make a hell of a sound. And the moment that becomes negative, and the moment. You know, we start calling for the manager's head. The moment we start groaning after ten minutes because we missed an opportunity, we we, we are going to lose games. I personally believe that, and that's not just because of the the crowd, but because of you know the inability to back the manager because you because you don't want him. Like honestly, well, yeah, no, I couldn't uh, I couldn't agree more with that point. I, there was a level of um, apoplexy from from some that <laughs> <laughs> didn't mirror the circumstance. You know, the the the, the Anger displayed. It was actually. I thought it was worse where I was at half time in the first half from some people, and you'd think you'd think we were four nil down against Preston. You know, it 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 was like, well, it's nil nil at home. It's been a bit crap. It's a crap game. They've they've been crap. We've been a bit crapper. Have you not? Have you not been to watch Blackpool before? This this does happen. You know, and 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 actually that probably happens more than we play well over over a long period of time. You know, it's nil nil. You kind of. You know, it, it it seemed to fit. Grum, you know, mutter a bit and go mutter a bit and go for a wee or get a pint. That that seemed to be what what. But there was, you know, I was booing and there was there was a felony in me that was really laying into Appleton. You know, this is on you, you Wally. Um, this is on you, you Preston idiot. You know that sort of thing. And and it's kind of like, well, well what exactly is on him? It's nil nil. Um, and that point about you know. I've banged on a bit about ticket prices and, you know, maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But the one thing about about it is, is that sort of like 12th man of the crowd. That's partly why I want as many people in the ground as possible, because that 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 crowd was fantastic last year. That was my favourite season of watching football for ages. And it wasn't particularly because of the, well, I mean, it was in part because of the football, but it was because of that vibe and that atmosphere and that fact that we, we kept coming back and doing things we didn't expect and we'd have terrible first stars, but we'd get behind them anyway, you know, and we'd, and we'd you know, sing for five, ten minutes at the beginning of the first uh, second half and then they'd start playing really well and we we can't lose that I'm sorry I don't care whether you don't want Appleton I don't care whether you don't think that we've signed enough players or that you know the rich man has bought you enough toys or whatever you still you know we've still got to get behind the 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 players we've got otherwise we're losing a massive factor from from what we had last year and we used to do it even when we conceded yeah you know we'd go we'd we'd go one nil down it'd get louder you know, and if you're kind of like the opposition manager and team, you must be thinking, wow, they don't, you know, they never stop. And they, like you said, they did, did comment on it every game, uh, just how good the atmosphere was and say, are you like that every week? And it was like that every week. And 
you know, like you say, whether you agree with the manager or not, we've we've got to get that atmosphere back because it, it's a massive part of it, and it makes it intimidating as well. You know, it's we've not got anywhere near the biggest crowd in the, the championship, but the noise we make is phenomenal, and we we, we need to keep it going. And yeah. the, the, the last part, I'll be really quick on this. Last point is that some people are like stupid. You know, it doesn't really make a difference. Well, it doesn't make a difference what you're booing for then. You know, <laughs> if if you if you're gonna go and boo and shout and show your displeasure and expect to be listened to, then surely, you know, you're also acknowledging the same way that if you get behind the team and you, and you support them, that that's going to make a difference. And that that Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. doesn't mean that everybody has to be happy clapping saying everything's wonderful. You know, that there are questions and there are things and there are stuff that, you know, we don't have to say everything's 100% rosy, but surely at three o'clock on Saturday, you have to, you have to get behind the team. That's what I think. Can, anyway. I, can I just quickly say something regarding the crowd? Um, so... Blackpool in August is the uh, the number one dream of all away fans, isn't it? Mm. Getting Blackpool away. Yeah, we've had real two full away ends the uh, last two games, haven't we? Granted, it's Reading and Swansea, two fair distance, but interesting to see that both nowhere near full. There's a lot less Swansea fans than last March, if I remember correctly. Correct. I think we've got to take into other things. I don't think we'll bring many years away this season after. No, the, I don't. There's a lot of factors season, at the moment, isn't there? You know, people can't afford to pay their bills, and we we did this to well, I did it to death. I think the last pod you guys did was absolutely incredible. I think we made some real, you know, valid points around ticketing and the pricing and how much we're charging, etc. And I think the more incentive you've got to buy tickets, I've said this before, you either sell out on away and, um, you know, with cheaper tickets, they make more money on on you know on beer and and you know into the town because more people are going to come regardless so you price them out they get half the fans they won't want to spend any money when they get to the ground because they've spent all their money on the ticket and their travel so i don't know i think i think it sums up perfectly i think we if if blue for becomes toxic then i think we're throwing away the season you know patino isn't going to like why are we going to attract players when when scouts come and watch us and they see not only we're not playing great football at times the crowd doesn't like that you know they're starting 11 or the manager no one's going to want to sign for us at that point patino's experience at the moment of bloomfield road is barrow which was you know pretty poor and then you know the game they've just had where they're booing and calling all things at the owner and the manager it's just not on Make your feelings known, not you know, but not inside the stadium when they've got nothing to moan about, especially in that second half. Because that second half for me was, I walked away quite proud of the team. Anyway, um, we move on after after the defeat. Um, we won't talk about um, the uh, man of the match performances. Um, sorry, player ratings and manager rating. Um, 
um because we're too far into the show and we're gonna we're gonna show your reactions in a second but just just a point um i'll come to each of you just with your with your man of the match and who you sort of most impressed with um i'll start with my man of the match i think Lavery deserves it for the impact he had, but overall, um, I'm sure Matt might 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 um, pick Lavery. I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll go with Dougal. He came into the starting eleven, and I think he had a really really good game. And I think he came to life in that second half. Um, and I was really impressed with Fiorini in the second half because I thought he he should have been subbed off, but the second half he stepped up his game, nicked the ball off a few times, played some really good passes. So it was nice. Time for a quick break in proceedings to say if you're enjoying this content and want to say thanks for the pods, please consider joining our Patreon support program. Starting from the price of a pint per month, Patreon allows you to contribute towards our production costs, gear upgrades and our drinks tab at the dog. Your support will ultimately make the show bigger, better and I like eating a tin of prunes more regular. You'll also get extra stuff in return like all the podcasts before general release, backstage access to us and our guests exclusive Patreon-only shows, and other random bits and pieces. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash pod to find out more and hopefully sign up. To see a reaction out of him, but for me, it was it was Dougal for coming into the first level and making a real difference into the midfield. What about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, I'd go with the reverse point. I agree with what you said about Dougal. I think he's had two good games now. It's nice to see that Dougal can do Dougal things, and then other players are doing other things that Kenny can't do. And I think he's he's probably going to grow this season with that and I think you know I said time and time again last year that I think the problem with Doodle is not Doodle it's he's having to do things Doodle doesn't do doesn't necessarily do but I'm going to go for Shane Lavery because I thought he was a man possessed and after a, a nightmare against Barrow and also a time playing for the manager that doesn't appear to trust him necessarily or that you could infer that the way Appleton's treated him hasn't been the most, you know, trusting in the world. I thought he did superbly. Um, so I'm going to go Lavery. Nick? Close between Lavery and Dougal for me. Um, and Fiorini, second half, like you've mentioned, was was decent as well. Um, I think over the whole game, I'm, I'm, I think Dougal just shades it for me. I'm going to go for Kenny. But Lavery was great as well. Joe? I'm going to go for Lavery because um, I think he epitomised everything about Blackpool FC in uh, which he did everything but score. <laughs> um, absolutely. So we're going to go on to your uh, reactions from the game. I'm going to load it up. Um, I haven't read these pre-match. So, um, Matt, I'll give you this first one. Um, it's from Dave Seddon. Um, I don't think the system gets the best out of our attackers. We either have to be patient, waiting for them to adapt and learn to play how Michael Appleton wants, or we need a frontline capable of making the system. Still heavily rely on Bowler to make magic happen, um, which isn't sustainable, which I absolutely agree with. And, and there's, there's points we've already made on the pod already. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think if you look at it pragmatically, it's probably a case of waiting to, for the players to learn it. Um, I can't, I can't see us getting an entire new front line based on um, this season's transfer business so far. Um, and I think, well, I mean, I've already covered it, haven't I? I think, you know, there's, Lavery looks like he might be able to play that role. Um, Bowler, Bowler's doing fine, he, you know, but he's a good player. And then it's it's who goes in the middle, isn't it, really? It's, you know, if Lavery's in the middle, who plays on the left? If Lavery's on the left, who plays in the middle? And, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully Jerry is the player we all want him to be. I don't know whether he will be, but 
there's a gap somewhere there, I think. Um, cool. Next one to you, Nick. Um, NDP, um, what worried me in the first half was as soon as um, we lost the ball, we had players retreating so much that Jerry had nobody within 25 yards of him. Dougal was telling the bowler and Ham and Theo um, chap to push up, but they took no notice. Yes, it's only three days in, but I'm worried. I think this point, Nick, is really prevalent because I, I did tweet quite a lot in the first half because I didn't actually understand why we were doing what Andy just exactly said. We seemed to lose the ball and then they go, right, come at us because we want to see if we can defend. I don't know, but we seem to let mm. them come at us, which is really weird. I understand they're not the pressing because of the heat, but for me, it was the polar opposite. We were kind of letting them just come at us. Yeah, we were a bit. Um and to be fair, I think he recognised that at half time it wasn't working and, and took the uh took the Wolves lad off and you know it made a, a big difference in the second half the way we played. Um whether it I don't know, we just thought it's Swansea and they have a lot of possession and don't do a lot with it, so we'll just let them have the ball. Um or say we didn't want to tire ourselves out chasing round and like Sean said, potentially getting picked off. Um so whether it was completely intentional, I don't know. Um, it just makes it a bit frustrating to watch because you've not got a lot of the ball. And when we did get the ball, we didn't do a great deal with it and quite often gave it back to them to, you know, get their possession going again. Um, in terms of being worried, it, it's still early days, isn't it? And like I've said, we're going to probably have a couple out going and, and hopefully a couple in come in and then, and they're there, well, they need to be better than what we've got and be able to affect the first 11 um, and then hopefully we'll, you know, there was there was signs of improvement in that second half. Um, it's just can we build on it and and try and do it for longer than a twenty minute spell or a thirty minute spell or forty five minute spell? Um, but there's two tough games coming up in which to do it, isn't there? Where at QPR, where it's not a happy hunting ground and, and neither's turf more, so um, it, it's two tough tests there to try and see that incremental improvement, I suppose. Yes, Bond. Joe, you got the next one. We're certainly crying out for at least one striker to be brought in. I don't have much confidence in the options that we have at this moment. It's not helping matters when Sims and Bishop are scoring for fun right now. And they were both in great signs for us. Obviously, we can't really talk about Sims. He chose Sunderland over us, which is fair enough. But we'll see what comes of Bishop. Obviously, he's doing a good job in League One. But what was your initial thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm particularly Sims because we know what his capabilities are with him being here for a short time. Well, granted, that was in League One, but he seems to have... Uh, taking to championship football like a, a duck to water. Always frustrating when you're, you're on your phone and looking at, oh, look, there's a goal for Sims. Oh, look, Bishop scored again. Great. But uh, to be fair, Bishop's doing it in League One and, you know, no disrespect to the lad. I'm sure he's a decent player. I would have liked to have signed him, but, you know, you can't really say for sure whether he would have done it in, in the championship. It's like Jerry Eight scored for fun in League One. He's not quite done it in the championship as of yet. Hopefully will, but, you know, you never know. Um, it's frustrating because from the outside looking in, our business this window has been abysmal. From the outside looking in, it looks like clubs are choosing League One clubs over us, where it's not the case. The whole, he shall not be named at Oxford, that's just a case of he really liked his pond and he didn't want to move. Uh, Bishop, we've been more thorough in the medical Sims, 40000 a week at, at Sunderland watching him. I'm sure he's probably on better wages than we could have afforded as well. It's it's a bitter pill to swallow but when it comes to the championship. Blackpool are a small club. We can't afford the stupid money that has gotten into the championship. And it's stupider than the last time we were here. You're looking at like 
is it one of the Watford lads is, is going for 20 million to, to Forest? He's already gone. You know, yeah. right? and, and I know it's to a, to a Premier League team, but still, that that's how much a decent championship striker costs between 10 and 20 million. We're not going to spend 10 and 20 million in a decade combined on, on players. It's just the way it. things are. We've got to shop differently. We've got to shop smart. And it's frustrating. I'd love us to spend two or three million on players. Well, a player, plural, you know, but it, it's not going to happen because we don't want to put the, the club's finances at, at trouble. And as frustrating as that is, if you do not have the money, you should not spend that type of money on players unless you're Derby and you do it and then you get bought out and then you buy better players in League One than most championship players are. It's... Uh, don't get me started on Derby. I I did feel very sorry for Derby until we started spending the money again in League One. It's like, have, have you yeah. not learned anything, well, lads? We're going to do the same, aren't we? We're going to do the same thing, you know. I mean, Haven't they got some Arab sheik in, yeah. in charge of them now? Right, after all their money travails and, you know, having a whip round on Twitter and all that to keep the club going, and now they're, they're, they're spending like there's no tomorrow and the wages late. So, you know... Would you say that we are literally, and I don't mean this in a disparaging way, probably the poorest team in the championship financially? Not well, necessarily, because you don't know what, you know, how much we got. We're not we're not chucking silly money about like a lot of the clubs do, but a lot of the clubs' finances. I wouldn't finances, want us to either. No, to be I wouldn't, because a lot of the clubs' finances are an absolute mess, and if that's the way they want to do it. That's up to them, but I don't want us to do that. And if that means, unfortunately, we will at times miss out on players, then so be it. Um, because you sign someone, we've talked about this a lot, but you sign someone for three million quid, they're not coming for 10 grand a week. They're coming for probably 25 grand a week. Um, and we're not in a position to be to be spending that sort of money. Um you know, and then you've got a lot of other players who want that that sort of money. And before you know it, and the way our the way our trade the way our training goes, they don't only get bloody injured anyway. <laughs> yeah, so we've we've got to cut our cloth accordingly. But I, I don't mind that. It doesn't mean we can't spend money. We've just got to be wise with the money that we spend. And if it if a player's got three clubs to choose from, and it comes down to money, then yeah, we we might miss out unfortunately. But you know, it's. I think I'd rather that and not risk the long-term future of the club. And and it's clear that that's the way the owner thinks. It's the right way to do things. You know, and, and there are, um, you know, there's other clubs in the division. Someone's just mentioned them there, uh, Michael Preston, that there's, you know, Rotherham and Luton aren't flush. And it just means you've got to be very, very good with your recruitment um, and the money that you do spend. And we've probably not seen that in this transfer window as yet. But there's there's still time. Yeah, Matt, still time indeed. Um, just before we go on to the other um, Twitter reactions from Saturday before team selection, um, we'll try to wrap it up in the next sort of 10, 15 minutes. Um, do you see us bringing many in? Um, a lot of talk about Charlie Kirk in the week. Obviously, Appleton potentially put that to bed. Who knows? But I think hold your head up all you want, mate. But I, I'm not saying it's the most incredible signing, but he was second or third for assists last season and he hardly started. Someone who can get the ball into the box. And uh, look, I mean, I, I, my review of Kirk would be he was okay-ish. Um, yeah. He can cross the ball. Gary Medine is the world's greatest footballer. So you know, it'll be like um, it'll be like uh, Stanley Mortensen bulleting him home off Matthews crosses if we get him. Um, 
So, you know, I don't know. Look, if, uh, is Kirk the answer? Probably not the answer to us storming up the leagues and finishing fifth. Is he a footballer that might be able to add a dimension to our game, our squad, possibly, because I don't think we have any players who can actually cross a football. And we do have a centre-forward that we don't really know what we're quite going to do with him because his main asset is his strength and his quality in the air. So, you know, Kirk, if he was cheap, might fill, you know, he might do a job. I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be particularly excited either, but, you know, that's fine. Um, will we bring many in? I haven't got a clue. Um, I haven't got a clue. Um, I feel like we need to bring in two decent players. Um, I feel like there's there's just something not quite there in what I've seen. Um, that not quite there is partly gelling and getting to know the system, but I just feel like there's a lack of um, presence and experience on the pitch. Keo's gone. You know, those are big, big... Well, it's not even big shoes to fill. It's a sort of a big character psychological psychological shoes. That's a yeah. cost, isn't it? But yeah, you know, gone, and, and and I still think the midfield looks very very young. It looks very young. Um, those three players: Carey, Patino, Fiorini. I like all of them in theory, but they're very 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 young to carry the burden of creativity. And we don't have a backup right back. So I suppose I've said there's there's maybe three players. But the backup right back, you know, that's that's a backup. I think we need two players to come in. Whether we will, I haven't got a clue. Fair enough, Nick. Just, I think we need four or five, which I understand we're not going to get because we're not going to buy four or five. But I think Matt's probably right. We need. I think we need one of each. I think we need a right back, central midfielder and, and a striker. Just playing devil's advocate a little bit, um, going back to Kirk after rejecting him potentially. I don't know if it's true or not, whether we are in the market for him or not, but going back to him after saying we don't want to sign him for the amount of money that we want to sign him for, does that show a lack of plan? Does it show a potential sign of desperation? Or do you think, I don't know, for me, it's, it's that's where I think this season's transfer window is, has been really lost through lack of planning, strategic planning, should I say? Yeah, um, I mean, it's not like we haven't tried and, you know, you can break it down individually and there's there's different reasons why each player hasn't come, you know, we've, we've not got it off the line, uh, across the line. Um, I think midfield, like, like Matt says, um, a midfielder who, you know, not, not can run the show every week, but a bit of experience in there, um, right back and, and ideally a striker. I mean, he's Beasley out for months and months and months. I can't remember. Was he, uh, was it a broken? I think he was out for about eight weeks from the start. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's still a way off. A really bad break or anything, but, at least eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and I suspect we'll probably get at least one of them will be an, another loan probably, which I I don't mind, but I, I would also like to see a couple of decent permanent signings. Uh, if one of them's Kirk, I would feel a little bit <laughs> <laughs> underwhelmed. Um, but if there was a couple of other decent signings alongside him, then then that would be okay. Um, I don't know whether a lot depends on what happens with Josh Bowler. Um you know, I think we, we need to try and keep him if we can. Um and not I hope it doesn't end up the last minute he goes and we've we've not got time to if it's Kurt you know, to, to get a replacement. Cry. Yeah. I think um <laughs> I think we'll be struggling. Do you then. do you honestly think that we'd let that happen? I think the whole premise of last transfer window was mm. we get Rogers if Bowler goes. We didn't get Bowler didn't go, so we didn't get Rogers, of course. And I, I don't think that 
it, I'd, I'd like to think as much as we've acted a little bit potentially unplanned and, and, and not very decent with other contributing factors like players not coming to us, etc., that we wouldn't do that because we wouldn't spend the money. We couldn't improve so, the squad. And, weird, know, we, we, sorry, Nick, go on. No, no, you're okay. Go on, Matt. So it's just been weird because like, it's not that we blew anything away for the last couple of years really in signings. You know, we, 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 most, we, we seem to bring in five or six players quite early there, everyone went, oh, who's he? You know, like last year, we just got these loads of frees and everyone was quite underwhelmed, I think, at the time with Grimshaw and Lavery and Bowler and Connolly and like, who are these people? Really, I suppose we knew Connolly was because he'd been at Fleetwood, but we haven't done that at all this year and that's what's been strange. Like, I'm not really that arsed that we haven't we haven't spent a million quid. It's just that we, we haven't seemed to have done what we normally do, which is, is go around and, and sort of pick up some good released players and stuff like that. And it's, it's it's kind of just, it's the mystery of that more than anything. I think that's, I don't know, I think that's something, I know you don't want the club to sort of go through the details of every failed transfer, but in terms of the transfer strategy, something has been really obviously quite different in the way they've decided to do business this year. Um, it'd just be kind of nice to know what the thinking is behind it. Does that make sense, what I've said? It it makes perfect sense. I've, as I've said at the start, I'm not going to... I'll judge the window at the end of the window and I'll judge it now. Right now, for me, it's it's been absolutely really poor. It's been, like I said, when, when regardless of the um, Appleton's predecessor going, we know how long we've been safe for. We know what we needed. We know what we needed to do to improve the squad. And we haven't acted quick enough. We've now got two weeks till the window finishes. And in my opinion, we haven't got a good enough squad to stay up. And without additions to strengthen our team, then we are going to struggle to play Appleton's style of football. I, I quite agree with the point you made at the start, Matt, when you said we have got those players. They made a step up. We've just got, probably got enough to get over the line. But I don't want a really uncomfortable season. I want to enjoy the football, bring in additions that we can potentially sign in the future or make some permanent signs that really get the you know crowd off their feet. Otherwise, it's for me, we're in for quite a toxic season at Bloomfield Road if, if it doesn't go the way that some of our self-entitled fans want. It, it just makes it a hard watch or a hard sort of listen for fans' opinions. And Twitter is probably the worst place to be at the moment in terms of how they're reacting. And then you get it in the stands as well. I don't know. I think it's been I think it's been a really poor window um, for one reason or the other. But I think we panicked when we when we put a bid in for Pranigan, and I think you know we then put a bid in for Bolshoi and Rotherham. We got a hat trick of assist on Saturday, and they just said they could pay five million, and we wouldn't get him. That just says to me we are literally just trying to hope something sticks when we haven't really got a target. Because if we knew they weren't going to sell him for that amount of money, why would we put a bid in for him? It's almost as if, and we really should move on from this, but it's almost as if we've deliberately chosen not to pick up the sort of players that we we have been picking up and found it much, much harder to, to get the, you know, the, the more established players. Everybody's saying we need the established players, we need the established players. And, it, and, and it's, that's, that's come at a cost if, we, if we've put our eggs in that basket because there must have been, you know, there must have been this year's Connollys and Bowlers and Grimshaws will have been released from Premier League clubs. We haven't gone in for them, but we haven't got the experience either, you know. So that, I think that's what I'm getting at is the it'd be nice for them just to, Say a little bit about it when when the time is right, perhaps. Hmm, maybe at the end. I of the still window. think we'll, we'll. There's still yeah. time, isn't there? I still think we'll yeah. we'll pull something out of the bag. 
Well, that's the, yeah, I keep having that feeling. I keep thinking, yeah, you know, well, I'm going to stick on Twitter and then everything will be all right with the world because we'll have signed two players we're all really excited about it and everything will be good, but who knows? What worries me mainly is the fact that we're going to end up relying too much on loans. And yeah. we're just well, we, can only, we can only sign one more loan, and if it's a really decent one, then fair enough. We can but... sign as many as we want. We can only men- put so many in the match day squad. Yeah, but what's the point can, in signing five sign more it. loans if you're going to leave five out? It just doesn't make any sense. So for me, you've got to buy... What I'm saying is, though, I don't want us to end up like Preston and our best players every year be free lads on loan and we all fall in love with them and then they go back and then we just rinse and repeat. I'd like us to sign some actual players. We've signed one player permanently this window. And I'm sorry, don't get me wrong, sadly he's done a great job and I know that things have gone wrong with certain clubs and fallen through at the last minute. It, it ain't good enough just signing one player this window. To be fair, Joe, they did sign Ben Woodburn, so it's not, you know, it's, well, <laughs> it's not all bad. There's still time. Anyway, on to the uh, last few reactions. Uh, back to you, Nick. Um, agree we didn't deserve to lose. It looks a bit confused at the moment. Um, first half, we were clearly a team that doesn't want to press anymore. Second half, we press and put the pressure on Swansea. I'm not sure the players are fully on board so far. Bit of, bit of a not strange comment in terms of his opinion, but it's quite a different opinion in terms of players not being on board. Yeah, I don't know if it's that or the st- they're still getting used to the the style of play and, and what he wants to do. Um, I suspect it's probably more that than not necessarily being on board with it. Um, and plus, you can't press in that weather for 90 minutes, you'd die. And also, if any players were, weren't pressing and weren't on board in that first half, it wasn't the old, it wasn't the, you know, it was Dougal and Yates were shouting at the other players to, to pick the feet up and shouting at some of the new lads he's brought in on loan. I, I think that suggests they maybe haven't learned the system, if that makes sense. Sorry, Nick, again, I've spoken yeah. over you. No, and, and I think we'll hopefully see as we go, you know, he's, I think what, what I've been impressed so far is that, you know, twice at half time he's gone, right, that's not quite what I, you know, maybe wanted to see or where we could do better. And, and he's not been afraid to, to hook someone at 45 minutes when a lot of managers leave it. I'll give it another 15 minutes and hope something different happens. He's He's gone, right, I need to change things around here. And he's done it at half time. Um, and certainly on the, the, um, the game on Saturday, it was for the better, you know, because it improved second half when we took the Wolves lad off. So I, I don't think it's that they're not on board. I think they're just still, you know, finding the way in and getting used to the way he wants to play. Yeah, I don't think Swansea pressed at all. We just, like Sean just said, we dropped deeper than expected and they just had much of the ball, but they didn't really press us, did they? No. Um, last two then. Um um, perfect for you, Matt. Lavery was the catalyst for our improvement, in my opinion. The second half showed that he, um, he can, um, he and Yates can play together. Sorry, although I still think we need a quality striker as competition for them. I think. Well, when the, when the shin bruising's gone down, we'll have one, won't we? Yeah, <laughs> I think that just sums up everything we've said, though, isn't it? I think we sign a striker, then we'll have a good amount of options up front. Um, and the last one, Joe, loan signings, club art. Um, clubs our size, we must be bringing in uh, clubs our size. We must be bringing in players that are cut above and be out of reach as permanent options. Early days, but not seen anything well yet. Wolves lad, not sure on the system or setup would suit him. Can't poorly use the loan market two years running. Um, yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think, like Nick said at the start, we need signings that are going to improve the first eleven to make us competitive. If they if they're poor, then yeah. What I will say about um, Cor- Corbinu. Yeah, Corbinier. 
Um, yeah, he's he's not he's not off to the greatest starts, but uh, I I remember Richard Keogh not being you know that great the first few games. Maybe I'm reaching here, but you know, give give the lad a chance. He's only been here three three games, so let's not completely write him off yet. Like, Rowan like Dale him. was amazing on his debut, and look what happened there. So <laughs> the best you've ever Owen Dale gave to me. Don't mention that man to me. <laughs> Class act, just not given the right chance, eh, Joe? Um, <laughs> um, comment of the night so far. Uh, this is one for you, Matt. I have a fear that Yates and Lavery just keep twatting the ball at Medine's leg the last day of training to keep their place in the side. <laughs> they wouldn't dare. <laughs> he might come out of the ocean when they're not expecting yeah. it for the season. Carry on, carry on one leg and have both of them. One in each <laughs> arm. Right, should we pick the team? Let's uh, do it. Right. Grimshaw and Nats. <laughs> That's the first one done. Right. Let me get this up. We can all see that, okay? Yeah. Right. So, more in no, Grimshaw. We need to change this to fourth. Well, we all going 4 3 3, I take it, because he's not going to differ from it. No. Yeah, it's got to be that on it. Right. Right back. Gabriel. Gabriel. Nick. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'll play in. Um, probably the point that I wanted to bring up earlier, does Fornerly deserve his chance in the team now? Are we going to play Williams and Marvin? I don't think Williams deserves to get dropped. Pardon? I said to think Thornley deserves his chance, but I don't think Williams deserves to get dropped on that performance. But does Marv's? No. I Nick? maintained it. I'm, I, I said this last time, I'm playing Marv's. Even if Marv's is shit for five or six games, I'm still playing him. Nick, your opinion on the on the um, two centre-backs? I think it'll be Marv's and Williams. What, yeah, but what do you think? Well, like, what, I, do you, I, what do you want? I, I think that's who I think it should be as well. I, I, I know, like Matt, um, Matt says, Marv has been a little bit shaky, um, but then look at the you know the tackle he put in um, to deny the goal in the first half. He, he you can't drop Marv, and I don't think Williams. You know, he's not been spectacular, but I don't I don't think he's done anything that's made me think he shouldn't be on the pitch. So. I would I would go with both of them. Other than the tackle, I've, I completely agree. I think Williams has actually been a bit, as a bit more solid, but he's he's probably done less wrong or less mistakes than, than Marv's. We know how Marv's can be, so I agree too. Joe, do you have any difference of opinion? No, to be fair, I'd have the exact same back four as Saturday, apart from Gabriel. Um, Joe, I'll come to you first then, um, as you came last and last one. Um, do we go Thompson still, or do you think Hubby comes in? I'd stick with Thompson for now. I quite like the look of him. Yeah, I, I agree on this one. Um, Tuesday at QPR is going to be probably one left back that's played consistently. I don't know if you disagree, Matt. Well, Jimmy Osmond is like Jesus to Gary McGean's God, but even <laughs> I am going to say I think Thompson deserves to keep the shirt. And Nick? Yeah, no, still Thompson for me. Um, I, he's done decent so far. I like the look of him, and I think he'll only improve with more minutes on the pitch. Yeah, I agree. Same back, uh, one change to the back four then with Gabriel. My opinion of the midfield three, and I don't know if it's the right one, but I don't know if it will be a bad thing to stick with, sorry, to go with Connolly and Dougal, but on the premise that maybe it adds a bit more bite into the midfield. However, I don't think Appleton will do that because he likes to play two ball carry midfielders. So, Dougal, for me, is the first name in the uh, midfield three just because he had such a good game on Saturday. But, Nick, your opinion? 
Yeah, I'm wondering, because obviously there's Burnley away on Saturday as well, isn't there? Um, so I think there are going to be some changes either tomorrow or on Saturday. But we've just talked about Dougal was, you know, a lot of people's man of the match on Saturday. Um, I don't think he'll go two holding in there. I think it'll just be one out of Dougal and Connolly. And I would, I think I'd go with Dougal myself. Any disagree, um, Any disagreements on Dougal? Nope. I can't see the screen, sorry, because I'm sharing my one. No, no Dougal's fine. Okay, uh, Matt, you can go next to pick your next midfielder to start. Ooh, um, it's a difficult one, this. Um, it's a difficult one. I'm not sure Fiorini and Carey works. Um, I'm not sure Carey and... Uh, sorry, not uh, start again. I'm not sure Carey and Fiorini works. I'm not sure Patino and Fiorini works. I'm not sure Fiorini deserves to get dropped. I'm not sure Carey deserves to play, but I'm going to be ridiculous <laughs> and play Patino and Carey on the basis that I felt like Carey and Fiorini want to do the same thing. They want to sort of do sort of the, they almost, they're a bit like when Stuart and Dougal play together and I get frustrated because they're sort of stood two yards away from each other. Um, I think Patino has got more range. He can drop deep. He can get forward. He, I think he looks like he's comfortable more, sort of in more different roles. Um, and I think Carey has got more physicality than Fiorini. Um, so I'm going to drop Fiorini, even though he played better than Carey, um, and play. Does that make sense? So my next, yeah. one, my next one would be Carey. Right. I think Kerry's lost in the system, but his talent is is fantastic. Maybe taking. I think he's points. lost because there's two players doing the same thing. That's um, my... Just, just Nick Fiorini doesn't seem to want to get dropped. He's play, he played against Barrow as well, didn't he? So he's played in literally every game, including preseason. Like, yeah, he's he's Appleton's man, I think, isn't he? he he's is, obviously yeah. played played with him in previously, and and, and he was good, really good second half, in my opinion. There was a few times where he done Kante esque around the back of the play and nicking the ball off and. And yeah. run around. I'm not comparing to Kante just for the purpose of the pod, but just similar. Um, Nick and pull, you know, off the ball and then playing good balls out. So some positive play, but I'm not sure he's. Un- it seems like he's undroppable at the moment. But um, I think he will play Fiorini. I think with Patino, he's just kind of um, easing him in gently. Um, so I think it will be Fiorini. Uh, Joe, cast and vote. Unfortunately, I think it will be Fiorini as well. I just I don't get the hype. He seems like a small, weedy child that's knocked off the ball very easily. Very mm. technically good. He's a technically good player, but isn't that he's the part, he's, he's, he's part of that all of our midfield, a tiny slight. Who are you picking? Who are you picking, Joe? You think you you you, you, you say Patino is exactly top? No, I would have said Connolly Dougal Carey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I re- I want to see Patino. Um, I really do. I think, but I think it's I, I really want to see him with Dougal and Connolly. But we're going to play a, a midfield three differently for the whole. It's got to be Fiorini, so let's just put Fiorini in there. Yeah. Okay. Um, front three kind of picks itself, gents. Yeah. 
the same that finished against Swansea. I mean, I'll give you the the, the, the well, immediate uh, cast and vote, um, Matt, on whether Yates swaps with Lavery or we play the same as we did on Saturday. No, I'll play the same as we finished. Lavery's been swapped back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and he played well in that last position. So we can we can leave it as it was, and I don't want to mess Jerry about. Um. I actually thought he's everything we wanted in a winger on Saturday with Lavery. Um, yeah, I agree. Well, that's the team. Um, we f- Do we think or we want or we think he'll pick? Um, who knows? Thanks. Maybe a bit of both. Um, but yeah, um, fingers crossed they can do us proud tomorrow. Um, I'll stop sharing that. Was there anything else? I don't think so. We'll do score, score predictions and then we will uh, finish up. So, Joe, I'll start with you. How do you think we'll fare tomorrow? Um, a routine 3-0 win for QPR. I think they're a very uh, savvy, well-established championship team, and we are still very much finding our feet as a group with a new manager. Uh, yeah, QPR, not a happy hunting ground for us, and seen nothing else but an absolute hammering 3-0. Just two three nils and two one one. Steve predicting a one one. Andy predicting a one one, and Tim predicting three nil. Likewise with Joe, um, Pete is coming in with a three one defeat as well. Can you shed any positivity on the scoreline, Nick? Um, I wasn't going to because it, it's not a happy hunting ground for us. Um, but I'm gonna. I'll go one all, and I would settle for that all day long. Sean's coming in with a. First win there since 1972. It's got to break the voodoo at some points. Uh, Josh is coming with a 2-0 defeat as well. Matt, <laughs> are you going to add to the potential predicted defeat or you, you got a different opinion on the game? No, my head says, the head says, my head says we will score early and we'll all be think it's brilliant and then they'll score three and we'll all be really depressed. Uh, but my heart says 1-1. One, one. So, you know, that's my, that's my optimistic prediction. 3-1 loss I'm going for. Sorry. I think it'll be 2-1 QPR. Um, but if I think if we do play like we did on Saturday, they, they could be 2 or 3-0 up with the quality that they have and their more directness. So fingers crossed we press a little bit heavy from, from the start and we give them a good game. There could be a game where we, you know, we just score every chance we get. Fingers crossed, we, you know, we can pick up three points and be better off at this point than we were last season. But unless uh, anything's got anything to add, I think that ends this evening pods of the preview and the review of Swansea. Um, Matt, anything from you, mate? Nope. All good, mate. Nick? Nope. Nothing from me other than to say up the pool. And Joe? Um, no. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, that is all from us at the CSL Podcast. Um, remember to like, subscribe um, and share uh, and help us grow the channel. Thank you very much. And up the pool. Up the pool. So just before you head off, I'd just like to bring your attention to a Patreon support program that we are running. This enables you to just contribute a small monthly amount to help support our show and support our content. So head over to patreon.com forward slash seasiders pod. You'll find details of how to sign up. It's about £3.50 per month. Price of a pint. And for that, you get a few other bits in return, which is access to our private members WhatsApp group. You'll get some exclusive podcasts, competitions. So we generally run match pass draws for our patrons and just other random bits and pieces as they come in. And we are going to be running an extra time 
podcast, which is going to be an exclusive podcast just for patrons. So if you want to sign up, patreon.com forward slash Seasiders pod. It'd be great to have you on board. Thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.